the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Brian Whitman's voices. Jennifer Horn's brain. What else do you need to start your day? This is the Morning Answer. Thanks for joining us. It is your Wednesday Morning Answer, middle of the week. I'm Jennifer Horn. Don Dix is in for Brian Whitman today. And Don, 1,800 more furloughs at Disneyland, the Disneyland Resort, due to the COVID-19 shutdown. Nearly 1,800 Disneyland Resort employees will be furloughed as it continues to be mostly closed during the pandemic. Think about this. Have you? Did you ever? I mean, I remember it was news when, like, for one day Disneyland would close. I mean, growing up in California, Disneyland is one of those things that was always open. And to have it being, I mean, it's been shut you know, down since the middle closed. of March. Last time Disney wasn't it nine eleven nine eleven yeah yep and that, that was, was newsworthy and I think that was only like for a day or two it wasn't even a significant a amount of time yep so yep. now you've got seventeen hundred and ninety seven furloughs in addition to what has already been done with Disneyland through the Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act which was filed according to the Orange County Register the layoffs were scheduled from November twenty third to February twenty first. This is Orange County's top employer. So uh, this is not something that we just go, oh, it's Disneyland. They can afford to take the loss. 40% of all the revenue that comes into the CN, that comes into Anaheim comes from taxes due to the existence of Disneyland. That's right. It's a huge, huge generator of money. And so, yeah, I mean, this is, this is going to damage the city of Anaheim as well. So, and I mean, it makes you, you wonder, have... like, how irreparably damaged this will be. Cause if you, if you drive down, we had town hall in, uh, in Anaheim in October, right before the election. And we were at the Sheraton and you look at all of those resorts, all of those restaurants, all those stores, just yep. going up harbor or ball or wherever you are in Orange County, you see around Disneyland. And yeah, there's some people out, but not really, not in the numbers that no. you would normally see when the park is open. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's it's an amazing uh, phenomenon to see. I mean, I, I I've swore off Disneyland decades ago. Well, you of swore their, off anything that's joyful their, or their, their no, <laughs> because of their politics. I mean, I'm not going to give money to a company whose politics are die. I mean, I've Don Dix, where that, fun but, comes to die. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when you, when you have a company that is undermining uh, America. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to, I mean, gotcha. anyway. but for, but, but you can it, understand was, how other people might amazing. be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, of course. It is amazing driving down, driving that area when everything was operating according, you know, full tilt, the number of people there. And that was the other thing is I hate standing in line, so I'm not going to stand in line to go on a ride. No just, lines at Disneyland right now. Now, they do have certain areas of, uh, of I think, California Adventure open. You can go and dine mm-hmm. on uh, Buena Vista Street, but that's about it. You can go to downtown Disney, but the park is operating, including the resorts. Uh, the, I mean, again, everything really shut down, and uh, this just kind of goes into uh, into play with how – 
we're talking about vaccines and vaccines being rolled out in California, getting 327,000 doses of vaccines in the month of December, all of this. But how long is it going to take for these cities and these counties who have been so damaged since March of 2020? How long is it going to take them to recover? Is it going to be instantaneous? Are people going to snap back or is it going to be a slow trickle? And how long can we withstand this kind of stuff? Yeah, it takes three weeks to develop new habits. And so this has been going on for a long time. There are new habits that have uh, started to solidify all across the country. And it's going to take a long time uh, to get back to normal. And according to Gavin Newsom, there is no green anymore. We'll never go back. That that life that you led before March, everything that you did, not going to happen anymore. That's get from Gavin Newsom's uh lips and uh that from a guy who said that by the way there were i mean remember the remember the what we were hearing about the potential number of infections in california uh-huh. from gavin newsom we haven't gotten anywhere close to any of that fear-mongering that happened back in march and yet here we are recalibrating the entire American Well, it's become economy. less about about deaths and more about the number of of cases, right? So it's more about diagnoses than it is about people who are seriously ill with COVID-19. And in a, I mean, that's where the problem lies because of course people are going to get sick. This is a contagious this is a contagious virus that people are passing around. People are going to get sick, but the bulk of the people are going to be able to recover at home. And that's the important thing. We want people to be able to develop those antibodies, to be able to to deal with this without having to uproot everything we know as normal. And there are people who are now pushing back. So in L.A. County, there was a restaurant ban for outdoor dining that happened last week. Outdoor dining has been banned for three weeks in the county of Los Angeles. Pasadena, who has their own health department, chose not to follow that ban. They've been tightening their restrictions on outdoor dining, but as of today, they're still open. While you were sleeping last night, maybe overnight, maybe you're just waking up and hearing this news, another city in L.A. County has started to push back. The Beverly Hills City Council, which has turned into this little pocket of Republican red in L.A. County, they on Tuesday night approved a resolution opposing L.A. County's outdoor dining ban. This was unanimously approved and calls on the L.A. County Board of Supervisors to vote on repealing the current health order. They cite a detrimental impact on local businesses and lack of scientific evidence used by the county to make this decision. The resolution calls for the motion to be placed on the board's agenda on December the 8th to repeal it. So that'll be on next week's agenda. Beverly Hills is also calling for future public health orders to be based on actual data. Imagine that. Beverly Hills, can we get a round of applause for Beverly Hills? How about Ball this? And balls and strikes like they actually are flying over the plate. It's amazing. Base your health orders this. on actual data. I, You know, it seems so simple, right. but uh, revolutionary all at the same time. Yeah, I just I just looked up Mercury News reporting back in March that Gavin Newsom said 56 percent of California would be infected in eight weeks. Uh, that was the original projection. Twenty five million in California were projected to co- contract coronavirus. And that's just the extent of the fear mongering. Uh, that went on back in March, if you recall. Yeah, Beverly Hills is saying that future public health orders to be, quote, based on actual data related to a particular industry sector or area and not be applied unilaterally to every jurisdiction in Los Angeles County, end quote. That, uh, I think, is not a huge ask, but certainly one that the Board of Supervisors will probably not like. The L.A. County Director of Public Health, Barbara Ferrer, talked about her restaurant restrictions yesterday. You know, the issue with restaurants is a little bit different than it is with some of the other sectors. Uh, We actually permit all restaurants, and you cannot be open in L.A. County if you don't have a public health permit. 
uh, as any as any food processing plant, food distribution center, and or restaurants. Um, so yes, our inspectors will be out. Uh, absolutely, the first step we always make is to make sure people understand what compliance looks like, what the what the rules are. Uh, but if there's non-compliance with restaurants, they can both get fined or they can have their permits pulled. And then in what was really strange, she continued on. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> it's weird. Apparently, she's going after dogs now. <laughs> uh, apparently so. I guess, uh, you know, you do have to have a license for a dog, and I guess they could pull all licenses. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day trying to grapple with what what world do we live in today? And I came up with this uh, illustration. If you own something but have no control over it versus having control of something but not having to own it, which scenario would you prefer to be in? Would you rather have complete control over something without ownership uh-huh. or would you would you choose to have ownership with no control? This is exactly what's unfolding in America today. We have ownership, but we're losing control. But no control. And the government has no ownership in any of this, none of the responsibilities. They're not going to pay your bills if they shut you down, but they have complete control over that. I think, you know, this is this is where people really need to, you know, understand the moment. We've revealed Sorry. it. Don's got a he's got a second job. Boiled he does he does write fortune cookies. <laughs> Hell, I'm stuck inside a Chinese fortune what's cookie. What's today's factory. lucky number? <laughs> That's my favorite one, by today's the way. Today's lucky number is 6. All right, as we continue, uh, this is a big question that has presented itself. Uh, we are going to chime in on it. Does President Trump need to pardon himself? As your Wednesday morning answer continues. Say all the way home, I'll be warm. News and talk you can trust. The morning answer with Brian Woodman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It is your morning answer for a Wednesday. Jennifer Horn here. Don Dix in for Brian Whitman and Don. Question that has been tossed around the conservative circles. As of late, Sean Hannity brought it up on his program on Fox News. He told Sidney Powell, Sidney Powell has said this as well. The attorney who is working on some of this election fraud, not for the president, but really on on behalf of his campaign. There have been people who have said and suggested the idea that if and I'm not ready yet to call Joe Biden president elect, but if Joe Biden is inaugurated on January the 20th. The idea is that President Trump should pardon himself. This is an urging that many people around the president have suggested to him. Presidents on their way out of office consistently and historically issue a lot of pardons, but not usually for themselves. This has been an idea that has been floated about President Trump and just what he should do moving forward. President Trump, by the way, uh, just uh, on Twitter, suggesting that he'll be back, kind of teasing a 2024 run if indeed Joe Biden is sworn in. And people believe that maybe he'd even do kind of an opposing rally on Inauguration Day where he would announce his run for 2024 in person at a live event. There are a lot of rumors going around. None of that has been confirmed yet. But one of the questions is whether or not President Trump should offer a pardon to himself. I've even heard the idea floated that he resigns on the 20th, allows Mike Pence to come in, and Mike Pence could offer him a pardon. Do you think this is a good idea? 855 785 
855-785-8255. I'm kind of on the fence about this. 855-785-8255. But I do think that there is an unlikely winner here if President Trump does decide to pardon himself. Let us know if you think it's a good idea, a bad idea. Maybe you're in a gray area like me. 855-785-8255. Before I give you my wackadoo theory, Don, what do you think about this quandary? Well, obviously there's, there's, there's a very important downside that if somebody becomes president and decides that they want to engage in, uh, untoward activities, they can just give themselves a blanket, uh, pardon at the end and then never have to answer to the, what, to what they've done. This, I think, takes us into a very dangerous place. When you can, uh, as a president, when you have this amazing responsibility, um, and I think that President Trump did the right thing with uh, General Flynn, uh, pardoning him. We now know that the to- in the totality of what unfolded in those beginning, in the during his president-elect time, where there were uh, FISA warrants. Remember the outrage when he said, uh, he tweeted out on March the 4th, 2017, I, my campaign was spied on, and everybody laughed at him. I sure do. Come to find out, uh, he actually was spied on. The very next day, uh, Clapper went on to Tapper on March the 5th um, and said there was absolutely no spying of Donald Trump's campaign. Lied to the American people, lied to Jake Tapper, lied to uh, everybody about what he knew was unfolding, had probably participated in getting it done. When you have that amazing uh, power to pardon i i think you know the idea of pardoning yourself um sets a dangerous precedent yeah I, and okay so I, I totally hear what you're saying there are some people who might suggest that if not president trump could be in real legal danger over the next four years 855-785-8255 we'll take your phone calls on this do you think president trump if he does leave office should pardon himself on the way out the door my theory is kind of maybe along yours, but a little bit different. I think a pardon, uh, pardoning, pardon me, a pardon of himself only benefits one person. It only benefits Joe Biden because maybe that sounds shocking, but Joe Biden is going to have a lot of pressure from the progressive left who are going to want to see President Trump haul up for all of his sins, right? They're going to want to see that because they hate President Trump. They don't care if he's committed any crimes. They just don't like him. They don't like who he is, how he sounds, what he stands for. They don't like what the country's all about. And so you're going to have a lot of pressure on Joe Biden to go after Donald Trump. And I think he's he's Sweating that because I think Joe Biden knows that there was already an attempt to go after him and he's kind of skating on the idea that he kind of got away with that. Now, the Durham investigation is continuing. One of the things that kind of went unreported is that the attorney general, William Barr, has actually taken John Durham's investigation about the Russia probe, which could implicate people like Joe Biden or Obama or Brennan or Clapper, all these people that you talked about. And he's made him a special counsel, essentially along the lines of a Robert Mueller. Now, with that comes the makes it extremely difficult for Joe Biden to end this investigation. So that investigation into the Russia probe will continue. I think the pressure on 
Joe Biden to either pursue President Trump legally or not, I think will be there from the left. And by initiating a pardon for yourself, I think you're doing a couple of things. You're making it easier on Joe Biden because he wouldn't have to have that pressure mounting on him, knowing he doesn't want to go after you for what his administration prior, the Obama administration has done. I also don't know how legally plausible it would be to pardon yourself. That would be kind of breaking new territory. I think one other president, if I'm not mistaken, had tried to do something along those lines. Would it hold up legally? I think that would be a question if a president could constitutionally just give themselves an escape clause, as you mentioned. And then also, I think it, it, it admits guilt on the part of the president. I think that he should leave office with his head held high, knowing that he didn't do anything wrong, and uh, and moving on without pardoning himself. I mean, he could pardon some of the people around him, perhaps, but I don't think he necessarily necessarily needs to do that for himself. I don't even know that it would be necessary. Yeah, but there is one complication to that, just to kind of kick this thing around a little bit. The people who have lied to us about everything over the past five years are now telling us the truth this time mm-hmm. about the election, right? They they have, they have uh, completely uh, managed what has unfolded in this country over the last five years. They don't even dare ask any questions because they'll put you on a list. That is very dangerous. Yeah. So when it comes to when it comes to this issue of of pardoning, um, what we're dealing with are people that will that want power and want to win at any cost. So you know, there's two sides to this uh, issue of pardon. Well, let's. Um, you you brought up William Barr. He appointed. Durham as special counsel back in October, but he but changed didn't his tell de- anybody. Yeah, he changed the designation, didn't tell anybody, so that it would last through an election. election. Dan is right. in Redondo Beach. Hi, Dan. You're on the morning answer. Good morning, Jen, Dodger, Blue Eyes, Horn, and Don. Well, hello. Uh, Good morning. Hi. I, you know the, the one the one caveat to this whole thing is he needs to to get get pardoned in some way, shape, or form. And I understand your point about, you know, then the dirt on Biden's side coming out. But if he does get pardoned uh, by stepping down and having Pence do it, which I think would be the best way to do it, then this 5% chance that he can keep Biden from getting to the electoral amount, right? There's still this 2 3% yeah. outside weird chance. I think if he steps down, he loses that claim. I agree with you. Right? Yep. So, but, but I think... I don't want to see Trump and, and the whole circus and everything focused on him with this bloodlust the, the liberals have of seeing him in court and getting prosecuted. We have to avoid that at all at all costs, in my opinion. All right, Dan, thank you for the phone call. Great stuff there. Vincent is in Pasadena. Hi, Vincent. Hey, good morning. I just think this whole notion, <clears throat> excuse me, of a person pardoning himself, I mean, We've got you. Got to be kidding me! I know. I agree. Uh, that's what Don just said. That's a very dangerous precedent to set because guess what? He does it. Then Biden does it. Kamala Harris does it. I mean, come on. That's called a dictatorship. I right. Mean, anybody who would even suggest that, or even any person who would even uh, any leader who would ever suggest to pardon himself is a to me is a dictator by nature. Of course he can't pardon himself. And why would he pardon himself if he didn't do anything wrong, like you just said? Yeah, Vincent, I think I think if he did something wrong, he should be arrested and he should be tried. I don't care if he is president. If he did something wrong, he should he should uh, he should be like everybody. Once he's once he's a civilian, he's just like everybody else. And that's my opinion. Thank you, Vincent. I think there are probably a lot of people who agree with you. Bill in Los Angeles got about 30 seconds. Bill, go ahead. 
Jen. Bill. On. Good morning. Hi. Thanks Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Hey, look, do you want to see this poor man who's given blood, sweat, and tears for the last three and a half years and made this country a heck of a lot better now than when he came in? Do you want to see him in court for the next five or ten years? Because these people are going to go after him tooth and nail, and they're going to throw every kind of lawsuit that they want to out of I really think he should pardon first his whole family and then himself, or at least the suggestion that you made of Mike Pence giving him a pardon. All right, Bill. Do you want to see him in court? I, I don't, actually. I don't want to see him in court. Thank you for the phone call, Bill, in Los Angeles. All really great parts of the conversation. I think this is going to be a debate that heats up. I don't want to see him in court, but I also don't necessarily want to set the precedent of the president being able to pardon himself. So I'll continue to uh, follow that argument back and forth. Up ahead, a really interesting, I thought it was riveting, interview with former campaign manager for President Trump, Brad Parscale. The Donald Daily Download is next as your Wednesday morning answer continues. Can't conservatives and liberals just get along? They can. Welcome to the Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It is your Wednesday Morning Answer. Don Dixon for Brian Whitman. I'm Jennifer Horn. We thank you for joining us every single day at least until January 20th, and hopefully beyond. At 7.36, we all get together, we gather, and we do the Donald Daily Download. This is The Answer with Brian and Jen. Is the mic ready? Yes. I wonder who did that to our mic. I don't believe it was Joe. You know who it was? Crooked Hillary. (laughs) The Donald Daily Download. I think it was probably Crooked Hillary. Honestly, how could people not want more of that? I mean, really, (laughs) I just don't. I don't understand. Pretty good stuff there from President Trump, who is not necessarily in. uh, Well, we're not going to hear his voice, but definitely in the focus at the Donald Daily Download, of course. Brad Parscale is a name that may sound familiar to you. He is a former campaign manager for President Trump. He worked on the campaign back in 2016, stuck with President Trump all throughout his uh, first uh, his first term in office. Started up on the campaign trail again, and then, if you remember, Don was sort of pulled away from uh, the president, and uh, eventually he was demoted, eventually ended up leaving the campaign, and uh, we didn't hear from him for about a month or so, and then it was revealed in Florida that he was having kind of a a mental break. His wife called the cops, thought that he was suicidal. Um, I think he was maybe threatening to her as well. He uh, had a lot going on, and uh, after that arrest, we didn't hear much from him. Well, he went back and did an interview with Martha McCallum yesterday on Fox News. They aired part one. There's a part two that's going to air tonight. And I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this, Don, because Mm -hmm. I know that you've met Brad Parscale in the past and uh, had personal interactions with him, and I know that you were impressed. And uh, he really, we, we have a few clips here to share with you, but he really talked about how much he loves President Trump, how much he loves the family that he still does. And he really kind of picture he kind of painted the campaign almost being run by two people, Jared Kushner and Brad Parscale. And he said that people that kind of got involved with the campaign, I think he was putting a little blame on the RNC, on the Republican National Committee, kind of getting more and more involved. And, and President Trump welcomed them into that role. But he said the more involved they got, the more that Jared and Brad Parscale were kind of pushed out. And they brought in Bill Stepien, who Brad Parscale had hired, but they elevated him into that position. 
cushion and kind of pushed him down. Now, Parscale says that in February, when he made the decision to run that Super Bowl ad for President Trump talking about criminal justice reform, that at that point, it was their internal polling that showed President Trump would have won re-election with 400 electoral votes. I mean, think about that. So they were looking at a landslide for President Trump. Now, we know that did not play out. And so the question is, if Parscale were still there, what would he have done differently? What does he think the president should have done differently? And one of the things he said is that maybe the president should have been a little bit more empathetic to people who were afraid of COVID. Brad Parscale himself had COVID-19, and he said when people would see him after he had recovered, they would still be afraid to stand next to him because of COVID. And he said there was a real fear and that perhaps President Trump should have showed more empathy instead of just moving past it and kind of getting, you know, being the strong leader that just pushes through it. Yeah, you know, this is such a a, a tragic story of, you know, the rise and fall of an individual you know, as President Trump's former campaign manager, he broke his silence on what was a fairly shocking arrest. I watched that video several times. Authorities took him into custody in September after he reportedly threatened suicide. They showed up to his home, engaged in a two-hour standoff that ended when a SWAT team officer actually tackled him, transported him to a local hospital where he was uh, reportedly placed on a psychiatric hold. Obviously, that takedown was recorded and distributed broadly. He now, said he's doing a lot better, and uh, he actually mentioned during this this interview, and I don't think it's something that most of us know, but he said he had to bury two children while during this whole process, and uh, that that, along with the constant scrutiny of the media, had put a lot of strain on not only himself personally, but also on his marriage. Yeah, you know, there's a lot that went on there that uh, it's going to take time to uh, – have to unpack and you lose two children. This was during the 2016 election. Um, they, and, and, and of course, on top of that, being completely attacked by the left, uh, the right, the never Trumpers. And then of course the media, Brad Parscale was given credit for the person that divined the pathway through those five states to give Donald Trump that electoral victory in 2016. He was also credited for the decision to focus on the Senate during the 2018 campaign, which, again, proved to be very uh, wise if, if from a strategy perspective, uh, maintaining the Senate, incredibly important in 2018. So my interaction with Brad Parscale, um, you know, I, I met a guy that seemed at the top of his game. This was during the, the uh, California GOP convention that was held out in Indian Wells, and he was one of the keynote speakers on Saturday. And I literally shamed him into <laughs> sitting down with you, right? Well, yeah. let's hear from Brad Parscale here with Martha McCallum, and then I want to hear sure. your thoughts about if this sounds like the same person maybe that you met uh, again when we at, when you were able to sit down and, and actually talk with him one-on-one. This is Brad Parscale talking about that arrest that you just brought up. Take a listen. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about what happened at your house in Florida back on September 27th. Uh, yeah. The video became very public. I'm sure it was a very tough time for you, and I think everybody is sympathetic to that. Um, Your wife said at one point that you tried to harm her. She later recanted that. She was concerned you were going to harm yourself. Yeah. What do you want everybody to know about that? Well, good thing is my wife and I are in a much better place now. Um, My family's in a great place. It's we went through a very stressful time for five years. Um, We had lost two children during the election. We buried. We, we 
were completely attacked by the left, the right, the media. And I got to a bad place. My wife was worried about me. And she helped. And uh, she was there every day by my side. And I love her for it. And we've never been happier. And uh, I'm just glad I'm, I've moved on. And uh, I try my best for the American people. He continues on here talking about how he's doing better and uh, that the U.S., he believes, still needs a President Trump in the White House. You feel like you're healthy now? I feel like I'm healthy. I'm getting better every day as a stress, and, and this is the last piece of it. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to have history remember as it was accurate. And, uh, and I appreciate you to tell the American people that because I love my wife. She loves me. She was the first one there right afterwards, uh, and she'll be the last one I ever see. Have you talked to the president lately? I've not. And it's pretty hurtful, but it's probably just as much my fault as his. Um, I love that family, and I gave every inch of my life to him. Every inch. What would you say to him? Keep fighting. Don't give up. Don't give up. The country needs you. He actually said that he thinks the president has a chance of uh, maintaining the presidency. He spoke about President Trump's role and what he could do in the state of Georgia. What role do you think the president should play in Georgia? He's going there on Saturday. He's the leader of this party. And he needs to stand up, in my opinion, to the, to the, to the people of Georgia and say, go vote for these senators and ask them to start immediately investigating what's happening in this country. Because as everyone wants to blame the president, I think it's the opposite. I think the president is exposing the problem. And that problem is this is a country that just doesn't play fair rules. And I think he just exposes it everywhere. And I didn't know how much until I joined this, how much all those things are out. But, like, it's just sometimes it's a dirty world. Boy, has he nailed it right there. I've always said that one of the bene- one of the amazing uh, benefits of a Donald Trump administration is that Donald Trump peeled back the protective coating that existed over Washington, D.C., the media, uh, academia, even the entertainment industry, and exposed them for uh, who they were. Essentially, much of them enemies of a constitutional republic. My recollection when I sat down with Brad Parscale was that I was sitting down with someone that was extremely... Uh, sharp, intelligent, and dedicated to the president, which is where you heard that emotion come in when mm-hmm. he was asked, you know, about uh, how does it feel to have been cut off? And, and you, you hear him get emotional that he had dedicated the last 10 years of his life, first to the Trump organization, and then when recruited for his digital uh, expertise into the campaign. Uh, yes, I got that feeling in meeting him that he was totally 100% dedicated to Donald Trump, to the reason for Donald Trump being a president, and you heard it come out and in a very emotional exchange there, and I think one that was very lucid and uh, heartfelt and transparent. New claims of bias at CNN. You won't believe what Project Veritas has uncovered as your Wednesday morning answer continues. Waging the battle against fake news every morning. This is the Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us on your Wednesday morning answer. Jennifer Horn here. Don Dix in for Brian Whitman. And uh, Don, you know Project Veritas, right? James O'Keefe, he has this organization that kind of like goes undercover and catches people. It's like a sting operation. 
Yeah, they produce these highly edif- ed- edited, Edified. questionable <laughs> videos. Um, yeah, no, I'm very familiar with them, and I think that the work that they do is very important. It's what the media should be doing, and I love the criticism when you go on any reveal of theirs, you see a cornucopia of leftists de- uh, there decrying the fact that, oh, these are highly ed- edited, questionable video uh, uh, videos and audio and how hard do you have to work to say that don't believe your ears when you hear this? Um, you got to work really hard. I love the work of Project Veritas, and I think it's important. Yeah, they have come out with a new video showing a CNN bias. Now, I'm not sure if it is a, I don't know, is it a shocker that CNN is biased? Because <laughs> I think people might have known that for a while. But maybe just how biased is the question? So James O'Keefe yesterday released uh, information. He found his way onto these 9 a.m. Phone calls that happen at CNN. Everybody gets together. They kind of talk about how they're handling news of the day. Uh, kind of set. What do you? What's so funny? Well, I'll tell you in a second. Set it up. All right. So uh, here we go. This is uh, James O'Keefe's Project Veritas. This is a CNN audio, by the way, from a CNN editorial phone call meetings that, that happen every single day. And they talk about how they're going to cover things and how other news networks are covering things. That's where we'll start with CNN uh, having a conversation about. Fox News and one person in particular, Tucker Carlson, who apparently ruffles all of their feathers over at CNN. Take a listen. You'll hear James O'Keefe's voice first introing the clip. On the 9 a.m. conference calls every morning at CNN, their top leadership views their competition, Fox News and Tucker Carlson in particular, as racist and misinformed. Roll the tape. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're going to talk about the story, I think it's unavoidable that you have to talk about the naked racism of Tucker Carlson. Because that's really what drove this anti-diversity push. You know, Trump watches Tucker Carlson's show and then reacts. Um, and just as sort of the white supremacy hour they have on Fox News every night, I think it's you can't disconnect the two. What Donald Trump did last night, for anybody who watches Fox News, he was just airing all of the grievances he hears on Fox News every night. And that's all he did. That's uh, one of the pieces from uh, this video Project Veritas released. And one of the things about this particular clip, and then we'll hear Jeff Zucker's voice actually talking on this phone call about uh, the president, how they want to handle him, and uh, and really showing the anti-Trump bias at CNN. But I think that with young people, Don, you see a lot of people who are out there marching against the president, angry about what President Trump stands for, who he is, thinks that the country's racist. I believe that they actually believe that they've been turned into and I'm not trying to sound like a shock jock, but they've been turned into sort of the useful idiots, right? By the far left powers that want to manipulate people into feeling certain ways. And I believe that the people who are out there truly believe in their hearts that they are marching for something that is true and, and good. What I've always believed, however, is that the media and of course, President Trump's presidency really turned the lights on to this for us to really notice it was kind of complicit in this messaging from the powers on the far left. They act and we've said it here a bazillion times. They act like the public relations branch for for the left in this country. But what you hear on that phone call is uh, not someone who's strategizing to try to say, let's make them look racist. The media actually, or at least these people at CNN, Marcus Mabry on this phone, on this recording, they actually believe it. 
They've actually, I feel like they're in the process as well. This is not a group that's trying to necessarily mislead. They actually believe this. Do you, did you get that? I mean, that to me was what was maybe the most shocking, as I kind of have always thought of CNN as intentionally trying to mislead people in, or at least say, hey, look at this shiny object and distract them from some of the real news. But they actually believe this stuff. Oh, yeah. No, they're authentic in their belief that uh, America is evil and needs to be brought down a notch and that Donald Trump is Satan's spawn. They're, they, they, are, they are true believers. They're not sitting there saying, um, you know, we're, we're, we're down with that whole freedom and liberty thing, but we just don't like Donald Trump and we want him out of the way so that we can have. They are, they are true believers. And so what you're hearing, and you made the point, and a lot of people did, uh, they said, oh, really? Is this all there is? Well, I think there's actually a lot there. We're, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing CNN in their own words confirm what we, uh, you know, already knew from the way that they, uh, their broadcasts portray, uh, everything from the Trump administration to conservatives. Um, you asked me a moment ago, uh, what was so funny. I actually, I saw the, the part of the reveal that James O'Keefe did to Jeff oh, Zucker himself yeah. when he interrupts the call and says, Hey, Jeff Zucker, are you there? Uh, this is James O'Keefe. We've been listening to your CNN calls for basically two months, recording everything. Just wanted to ask you some questions if you have a minute. Do you still feel, and then I love this because James O'Keefe is pretty, uh, pretty witty and pretty sharp. Do you still feel the mo- you're the most trusted name in news? Because I have to say from what I've been hearing of these phone calls, I don't know about that. <laughs> and we've got a lot of recordings that indicate that you're not really that independent of a journalist. So, yeah, there's an agenda there. The place is reeks of agenda. And, you know, these calls just confirm it. And so if you want to talk about collusion, you know, like CNN loved to do, Russia collusion, let's have the conversation about how the collusion of the media actually influenced the election. Because they did. Um, along with Google, big tech, along with their fellow travelers on the ground, uh, organized mob activities in, uh, you know, moving ballots, like we heard from the United States postal worker earlier who claims that he moved 24 pallets of ballots yeah. from New York into Pennsylvania. Um, we know that. So, you know, it's a cabal, which is the, the disheartening thing about, uh, you know, Barr coming out and saying, well, there's no evidence of uh, election fraud. Well, you know what? Um, maybe they're between the media and between big tech and between the fraud on the ground, all three of them managed to swing this election towards Joe Biden. Yeah, and this Project Veritas video, I guess, uh, as you mentioned, James O'Keefe sat for two months as a, kind of a quiet, uh, un, he's muted, sitting there listening to this call. Someone gave him access to the phone call, so he would join in every single day at 9 a.m. for a mm. couple of months recording information until he gave him that stunning reveal the other day and uh, asking if CNN was really that trusted name in news. Let's hear from Jeff Zucker. He was on this call every single day, and uh, this was released again, Project Veritas, with this dump of information yesterday. Jeff Zucker, president of CNN, explains to his editorial team on the 9 a.m. call that we recorded that they should, quote, lean in to not normalizing Trump's erratic behavior. Listen to this. Okay, I, I just want to reemphasize that uh, 
you know, I, I think we we cannot normalize what has happened here uh, in the last week with Trump and his behavior. And I, I go back to what David said, David Chalian said, that this is a president who knows he's losing, who knows he's in trouble, uh, is sick, maybe is uh, on on uh, the after effects of steroids or not. I don't know. But he is acting erratically and desperately. And we we need to... Uh, 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 we need to we need to not normalize that. You know, this is what we've come to expect uh, for the last three and a half years, four years. But it clearly is exacerbated by uh, the time that we're in and the issues that he's dealing with. And I think that we cannot just let let it be normalized. He is all over the place and acting erratically. And I think we need to lean into that. That's lean right in. Lean they in. Did. And uh, that's what CNN has been doing this entire time. Pretty interesting to hear the inner workings and how they make those decisions to to target certain people. Tucker Carlson, President Trump, right on the list. As we continue, the CDC got together yesterday and came up with a tiered system of just who will get the vaccine. Where do you fall on that list? We'll tell you as your Wednesday morning answer continues.